Well, uh, today I want to uh, share with you uh, a couple was driving, and uh, they were driving into the countryside, and, and uh, the couple is a lot like us. Sometimes they get in little, little arguments, little snippets, and they got into a disagreement, and for about the last hour or so that they're driving down this winding country road, it has been like stellar quiet in the car. And finally, neither of them were, were willing to give up on their particular position. They were digging their heels in, and they were making sure that the other one knew that they were right and the other one was wrong. Has that ever happened to you? And as the silence was in the car, they happened to drive by this pasture. And as they drew, drove by this pasture, there were donkeys and pigs cavorting out in that. And the wife looks at the husband and she says, relatives, right? And the husband looked back at her and said, yeah, in-laws. <laughs> so who was right on that? Uh, you be the judge. Well, we're in week four of Unfailing Truths, and uh, we spent the last couple of Sundays talking about um, different kinds of unfailing truths. We realized over the last couple of weeks that our opinions can change, uh, the political structures can change, uh, society can change, anything around us can possibly change and be influenced by so many different kinds of variables. But what we've been coming to understand is that there are Christian foundations, there are truths that, that stand tall through all things of life, and that no matter what is happening around us, these things will never change. Uh, since I was a little boy, my parents um, uh, always said something to me that has stuck with me still through today, and they would look me straight in the face, and they would say, Bobby, they, they call me Bobby, Bobby, don't ever judge somebody else. Now, you know, when I was growing up, I, I never asked them, why shouldn't I do that? Um, and, and growing up and, and looking back on it, I can probably figure out why. But that was something that was so important for them. And they said in that value, don't judge other people. Well, you know, sometimes I wrestle with that. I wrestle with that today, not as much as I used to wrestle with it, but I, I wouldn't be telling you the truth if I told you that I never wrestle with that. I do. Uh, my fleshiness comes through and I wrestle with that issue. I mean, you know, there are times when uh, it just makes you feel good when you can just point your finger and wag it at somebody else and tell them how wrong that they are and, 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 and look at them and tell them that, that what they're doing and the direction that they're going and how they're headed is just totally wrong and they need to be more like you, right? And sometimes it feels good to do that. But yet what we find out, though, is that, that judging someone else's behavior isn't really what God intends for us to do. Now, now when I say that, I want you to just kind of hold that thought up there, because I'm going to share with you that there are opportunities where we're supposed to be judging some things, but I want you just to keep an open mind as we move forward this morning. Uh, James was the brother, the half-brother of Jesus, I should say, and James grew up with Jesus, and James never believed Jesus was the Son of God until after the resurrection. So, you know, um, you know James just never could get that. So, but, but one thing that James could get was, as he watched his half-brother's Jesus' life, as he saw Jesus live, as he saw Jesus grow, as he saw Jesus deal with people, as he saw Jesus communicate, as he heard him preach, as he saw all those things, James could clearly see that Jesus gave not only his half-brother, but the entire world the way in which we're supposed to live. Would you at least agree with that? Absolutely. James writes this, and he writes these words. He says, brothers, now we're going to also say sisters, brothers and sisters, don't slander anyone. 
Anyone who speaks against his brother or sister or judges him or her speaks against the law and judges it. So James is pointing out for us that our words matter, that our thoughts matter, that our actions matter, because how we talk, how we work, how we look, how we do, we are casting judgment upon each other. And he says that it is against the law and judges it. Listen to what else he says. He said, there's only one lawgiver and there's only one judge. Who do we think that that judge is? God's the judge. The one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So James throws out this profound question, this profound statement, who are you, who am I, who are we to think that we can judge our neighbor? And the truth is, we're going to find out this morning that when we start judging others, when we start judging other things, when we start judging others' motives, thoughts, and, and works, and all of that, what we're really saying is that we want to be God. Because James clearly says there's only one lawgiver. And when we do that, I'm letting you know that we're moving into that very dangerous territory where we're striving to be God. So let's, here's a couple of questions that I think we're going to cover this morning. Um, why, why do we judge other people? We're going, to, we're going to talk about why we want to judge other people or even why we do. We're going to talk about why we shouldn't judge other people. We're going, to, we're going to talk about when is it wrong to judge other people. And lastly, how can we break the habit? Break the habit. And that last one is really important because I think it's, a, I think it's real for us, and it's, even though it's messy, uh, it's real for us to acknowledge that most of us, if not all of us, have a judgment problem. That we, whether we are closet judgment people or whether we are out in the open judgment people, we have tendencies to be judgmental. Um, believe me when I say that uh, of all the things that you have to struggle with in life, if we can get this right, if we can learn how to deal with this issue and this temptation and this powerful pull to judge others, if we can get this right, I guarantee you our lives will change. I guarantee you our church will change. I guarantee you the world will change. Because like James found out watching and living with Jesus, we will discover that as well. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. Paul says this. He says, you didn't think, did you, that just by pointing your finger to others, that you would distract God from seeing your misdoings and from coming down hard on you. So as we point at others, are we kind of doing that so that we think God doesn't see what's really happening in our lives? Or did you think that because he's such a nice God, he'd let you off the hook? Paul's saying that, that we point out the faults of others because when we do that, it makes us look better. When I can point out your faults, what I'm really trying to do underhandedly is to make myself look better than you. And if I can point out your faults and if I can resonate on that, you know, and we've got to try to avoid where we want to excuse our own faults, excuse our own sins, and accuse others of what we think their sins are. We love to accuse others, but we love to excuse ourselves. So how do we do this? How do we excuse our sins? We, we do this by relabeling them. 
Patty's Granny Walker, she's in heaven now, but Patty's Granny Walker was, was, was a wonderful person. She used to say, though, that when the church ladies came from the corner church that was on her lot, when they would come to her house, when the church ladies would come, and Gramps would say, the widows are, are coming today, and he'd smile real big. And as they would come to the house, Granny said that they would have time to talk. What they were really doing was they were gossiping, <laughs> Right? But you say, Granny, but, but isn't that gossip? She said, no, we're Christians. It's called sharing. <laughs> but so, so, so you, you watch these and you're aware of that. You know, um, some people will say that um, I'm not lazy. I, I'm just mellow. Some will say that um, I, I'm, I'm not cynical. I'm just realistic. Others will say I'm not unreliable. I'm just flexible. And, and we, have different, we have different terminology. We excuse sins by relabeling them. The moment that I can take away your vision of my sin and I can put all the vision on you, I'm trying to relabel that. And I'm trying to hold you to a different standard than I'm trying to hold myself. The writer of Proverbs, Proverbs are books that are, are they're just filled with wisdom. It's part of our wisdom literature of Scripture. Proverbs says this, listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you want junk like that in your belly? You know, so, so what, what the writer's trying to tell us is, is that, you know, it, it has no nutritional value to our soul. And, and we need to be careful of that. It's like we, we eat it with great relish, you know. And, and why is it when we hear someone gossiping, we become all ears? Why is it that when we hear somebody gossiping, we've got to get part of that conversation? Why is it when we hear somebody talking negatively about someone else, we want to be present for that, or we find ourselves kind of moving closer, you know, they're over here and you're kind of listening? And we find out it's a, it's a challenge with that. You see, that's the sin. That's the sin. We've got to name it. We've got to name it. The reason why we name our sins is because it helps us to see greater in view our Redeemer because we know that we need a Savior. So we see it, we name our sins. We will deal with this sin of judging others more than I believe than any other sin in our Christian life. I believe that judgmental attitudes and self-righteous attitudes is what will condemn us the most and we've got to get this right as we look about this today. There's lots of different kinds of slander. Uh, slander in the first degree. Slander in the first degree says this. Do you know what that person's doing? Have you heard what they're saying? Christians, we, we like to mask that because we recast it. And we like to, instead of being slander in first degree, we go by slander in second degree. Here, I've got something we need to pray about together. Did you know about? And if we're not careful, our prayer chains and, and, and the way we pray about each other can become compromised. Because when we pray for each other, it's not out of judgment or condemnation. It's out of acceptance and helping someone come into the presence of Christ. Christians, um, uh, we, we've got to be careful. The writers of Scripture remind us that we, we tend to judge other people because we think that um, it's going to put us into a better position. But whenever we point a finger at someone else, we're actually pointing many fingers back at ourselves. Let me give you an example. Let's say that someone is $20,000 in debt and you're $10,000 in debt. You're both in debt. Their debt might be a little bit more than yours, but the fact is that both are in debt. Just because someone else is in more debt doesn't lessen the fact that you're in debt. 
So again, we have to get this right. Scripture says we tend to judge others first and excuse our own errors. And then we also have the natural ability to eat it up because it appeals to our pride. And there's just something about this weird nature about us. And, and it's because we are, um, we're, we're carnal. We, we, we're fleshy. There's this desire about us to sometimes want to see someone else going through a tough time. And if they can just go through that tough time, somehow it might make us feel better. So what happens when we're judging and what does that do to our credibility? A couple of, couple of thoughts here. What, what is being judgmental and what does it do to my credibility? The first thing it is, is scripture tells us that when we're judging, what it does is to our uh, credibility is it's unchristian. I don't know how else to say it. It's unchristian. If we go back to James's words, James says in, in verse 11 that when we are judging someone, and he mentions the word brother again. So he talks about judging and brother. And when we think about that, why, why is it unchristian? Because our brothers and sisters in Christ are our family. We should want nothing but success for our brothers and sisters in Christ. They are related to us. We are one with them. We are a part of God's family. When we see another Christian stumble or fall, when we see another brother or sister in Christ who's having a tough time, we should not look at that as an opportunity to judge them about what's happening. We should surround them. We should reconnect them. We should shower them with love and help them to get back upon the path that is the path in which they need to do. Here's the second thing it does about our credibility. It's unloving. We shouldn't judge because it's unloving. Here's what James says. James says, whoever judges speaks against the law. So, so is it legal to judge? Is it, is it legal to judge? Well, you know, uh, there's, a law, there's no law against judging in the United States, and there might not be any laws against judging in other countries as well. But what we do find is James is not talking about man's law. James is talking about the royal law. There's a significance between man's law and the royal law. What's the royal law? The royal law is the love of Jesus. It's the law of Christ. And the royal law talks to us and tells us about that whenever we're judging, James says, that's the law that we break. When I'm judging you, when you're judging me, I'm not breaking man's law, I'm breaking the royal law. I'm breaking God's law when, I, when I'm breaking that. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, then, then James says, and Jesus even trumps that, Jesus says that we are to love our neighbor as ourself. And that connection sticks where it is. James says if you don't do this, then, then, then you're not getting it right. But if you love your neighbor as yourself, then you are getting it right. When I judge you, then I'm breaking the royal law. When you judge me, you're breaking the royal law. Because God is the judge. And we're to love our neighbors ourselves. Here's another one. Um, what does it do to our, our character? What does it do to our credibility? It's It's unjustified. Here's the third one. It's unjustified. There's only one lawgiver. The word lawgiver is actually used uh, six times in the Old Testament, and it's used only once in the New Testament. And if you look at those seven references of lawgiver in our entire scripture, every single one of those, it comes back to God is the lawgiver, not man. You and I were not created to be lawgivers. We were not created to be the judge. God reserves that for God's self. We tend to judge um, in other people the things that we don't like. 
And, and why do we judge that? Well, I don't know that it's because we see ourselves doing it or that we're compromised that we might want to do it, but we just, we see things in that. And sometimes the things that we judge the harshest are the things that we fear the most. And it's because maybe we don't understand. Or maybe it is something that we're involved in. And therefore, if I can judge you on it and get all the eyes looking at you, then nobody's going to watch me. So it begs the question this morning, when is it right to judge others? When is it right to judge others? There are, there are seven places in scriptures where it says it's wrong to judge. The scripture in some places does tell us that there are two occasions where we are to judge. First, it says we're to judge ourselves. Do you hear that? We're to judge ourselves. And there are certain times, or there are times when scripture says that we are to judge certain matters. So we're to judge ourselves and we're to judge certain matters. But most of the time what the scripture says is don't do it. Don't put yourself into it. Paul continues to write. He says, those people are on a, a dark spiral downward, but if you think that leaves you on the high ground where you can point your finger at others, then you need to think again, he says. Every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism, Paul writes, of others is a well-known way of escaping detection in your own crimes and misdemeanors. But God isn't so easily diverted. God sees right through all such smokescreen and holds you to what you've done. You didn't think, did you, that just by pointing your finger at others, you would distract God from seeing all your misdoings and from coming down hard on you. There's that scripture again. But here's the punchline. It's wrong to judge other people when I'm doing the same thing. It's wrong to judge you when I'm doing the same thing. I don't have any right to speak up against you and judge you if I'm doing the same thing. I don't have the integrity to speak up if I'm engaged in the same thing that you do. How did Jesus respond to the woman who was caught in adultery? Jesus said to those who were judging her, you all who are without sin, let you be the first one that throws a, a stone back at her to take her life. And what does the scripture say? That as those men thought about those words, as they were standing in judgment against this woman, they realized that they too were sinners. They realized that they too could be judged for their sin. And therefore they dropped the stones I love what, what it says here. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and, and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a telephone pole in your own eye? He says that you're a hypocrite when you do that. First, take the telephone pole out of your own eye and then you can see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. Notice the scripture doesn't say that, that your brother or sister is without fault. But what he's talking about is that before you can help them recover, before you can help them to reconnect, you've got to take care of business on yourself first. Are you connecting this morning? These are, these are tough words, but they're words that we've got to get. They're words that we need to understand as we think this through. Jesus makes it clear before we can remotely have the opportunity to notice anything wrong on someone else, that we must first take away the obstacles, our, our own faults that are blocking our vision. 
Jesus points out it's wrong to judge others when it blinds me of my own faults. So, so if judging you causes me not to look at myself realistically, then I'm the one who's wrong because I'm putting a higher standard on you than I am myself. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, stop judging by appearances. Make the right choice when you see this. It's wrong to place um, others in a situation where we, where we draw conclusions based upon how they look. Yeah, we're, a, we're kind of a first impressionistic society. Many of us probably within the first 10, 15 seconds of meeting someone for the first time, we're gonna draw an instant conclusion as to what we think that person is, what they represent, and who they are. Am I far off on that? No, I don't think so. We, we, we're impressionistic in that, in that portion, but you know, James, uh, James tells us to be careful with that. Samuel tells the story about how when God was searching for a king, that all the candidates that were being brought up for Samuel to interview and ultimately anoint were all these powerful-looking macho men. But what happens in this story? God sees a little shepherd boy. Probably not a whole lot of muscle mass. He's a young, young guy. He's ruddy, it says in the scripture. And God says, that's the one I want. Now, looking at that, looking at David, one would think, well, he's the runt of the group. He's not powerful. He has no political influence. He's not this, he's not that, or whatever. But God doesn't look at outward appearances. God looks where? At the heart. So God looks at the heart of where we are. Even in John's gospel, uh, Nicodemus, uh, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was a Pharisee, Nicodemus says some compelling words. He says, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's doing? So in other words, are we supposed to judge somebody before we even know their story? Are we supposed to judge someone's actions or their words or, or who they are or their motives before we even know what's going on in their life? Nicodemus is asking that question. Do we condemn someone before we first find out what they're doing? And the rhetorical question is, no, we're not supposed to. It's wrong to condemn someone before we hear the facts. Paul is uh, writing to all of his missional churches and, and they're going through all these doctrinal challenges and issues and, and struggles as, as what it means to be new Christians and followers of Jesus. And Paul is trying to make sure that he's keeping these small churches together. And there's lots of judgment and condemnation that's happening. But Paul says, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or regard to religious festivals, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. They were, there were people going to war against each other because somebody preferred a Big Mac over a Domino's pizza, okay? They were fighting each other because they didn't like what each other was eating or, or maybe how they were dressing or, or the way that they were praying or when, they were going out in religious wars against them. And Paul says, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or regard to religious festivals, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. They are a shadow of the thing to come reality. And that reality, however, is found not in the things that we uh, beat each other up about, but the reality is found in Christ. There is no what? Condemnation in Christ. 
So the body of Christ, the people of Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ, cannot fight each other because Christ cannot fight Christ. There's no middle ground, there's no room in for the, de- for the devil to get his way in because if we are all in Jesus, we are bound. Just like last week, that example, when we are in Christ, we are together one and at peace. Paul's saying it's wrong to judge people based upon their spirituality. Well, I speak in tongues and you don't. Well, I must be a better Christian than you are. Paul says don't judge each other on those things. You can't tell a person's walk with God based solely upon the things that you see. You can't tell my heart based solely upon the things that you see. But as you get to know me, you know my heart. There are times that people will fight back and forth on, on this issue of what we should do or shouldn't do. And it's, it's kind of like the guys that are going to the California church and they're at the um, Happy Church Banquet one Sunday. And one of them says, well, you're a kook if you're a vegetarian. And the other one says, well, you're a kook if you eat turkey. They're both kooks. It doesn't make any sense. James says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or sister and judges him or her speaks against the law and judges it. You see, when we start judging that way, we make ourselves above the law. We make ourselves judge and jury. We make our set of values, our set of thoughts, the litmus test. And James warns against that. So it's, it's wrong to judge others when it causes us to speak evil about other Christians. When James wrote these words, he, he was dealing with um, lots of things that were happening. In fact, there was a, a council of Jerusalem uh, that happened where James actually ultimately had to give the decision as to whether or not uncircumcised uh, Jews could be Christians and circumcised whether circumcision was needed. And, and was that the litmus test of being a part of the faith? And James said, wait a minute. I know my brother, my brother said we're all in to the kingdom's purpose. And he resolved that. The Apostle Paul says that we are to watch the way that we talk. Let, let nothing foul or dirty come out of our mouths. Say, say what only helps. Each word that we express is a gift. So whenever we follow Jesus, one of the symbols and signs and, and examples, one of the ways of fruit that we have for the world to know that we are followers of Jesus is we're not a condemning people, but that we are people of encouragement. We are people of love. We are people not of criticism, but we are people who are constantly surrounding others, that we don't want to see defeat. We want to see success. We don't want to see hurt. We want to build up. And when you're a follower of Jesus, you know what's right, and you know when it's right to encourage other people. The Apostle Paul gives a warning. He says, so so don't get ahead of the master. Don't get ahead of God. Don't don't jump to conclusions with your judgments before all the evidence is in. For when he comes, he'll bring out in the open and place in evidence all kinds of things that we never even dreamed of, inner motives and purposes and prayers. And only then will any of us get to hear the well done of God. It's premature to judge someone's motives until we understand the story. It's premature to judge someone's actions until we understand the story. So things to remember to break the habit of judging. Remember this, that that we too will be judged by the same standard that we choose to judge others with. 
So how I choose to judge you, how you choose to judge me, is the same standard that God will use to judge both of us. So if if I'm merciful on you, then God will show mercy on me. If I'm critical on you, then God's gonna be critical on me. Matthew, Jesus says, do not judge others so that God will not judge you. For God will judge you in the same way that you judge others and God will apply to you the same rules that you apply to others. Maybe some of us are going, "Uh uh-oh. I better start changing some things today because Jesus says that we should. Remember that we're accountable to God. We're all accountable to God. Yes, we have accountability with each other, but ultimately, we are ultimately held in accountability with God. And this means that our final accountability, your final accountability is not with me. My final accountability is not with you. But all of our final accountability is when we stand before God. And it's in those moments that God will judge us. It's the accountability that's there. And God will not judge us based upon hearsay. God will not judge us based upon rumors. God will not judge us based upon uh, things that people have done against us or, or made us look bad. God will look at us and God will be a righteous judge. God will be merciful. God will be compassionate. And God will judge us for who we truly are. Remember how much God has been merciful to you. That's, that's the next one. So how do I shake this need to be, to be judgmental to others? Remember how much God has been merciful to you. There's a story in the scripture about um, debts and, and a guy um, owes his master $50,000 and the master says, um, what are you gonna do about it? The guy says, I have, I have no way of paying it back. Please have mercy, please have mercy. And the master looks at him and says, I love you, your debt is forgiven. That same guy who just had his debt of $50,000 forgiven, scripture says he goes and finds somebody who owes him 20 bucks. And he squeezes the guy that owes him 20 bucks. And the guy who owes him 20 bucks gets on his knees and he's crying and he's saying, I, I can't do this, I, I don't have the money, you know, my, my kids have got to eat, I can't pay this back, I can't pay this back. And for 20 bucks, he throws this guy in jail. The master hears of this. And the master then says, I forgave you of your debt, $50,000. And you held on to a debt of $20 and you threw this guy in jail. The same that you gave him, he says, I'm now going to give to you. And he calls him an unmerciful and unforgive servant. Scripture points us in one direction, and that's to be merciful before God and to be merciful to others because God shows mercy on us. The reason I'm not patient, the reason I'm patient with you is because God's patient with me. The reason that I'm told to be patient with you is because God is patient with me. You're to be patient with me because God is patient with you. We're to demonstrate mercy and compassion to each other because God demonstrates mercy, love, and compassion upon us. And that's what puts us in the midst of God's amazing grace. I've come to understand this very important truth, that the most forgiving person is the most forgiven person. The one who is most forgiven is the one who forgave the most. Some of the people I feel the closest to in our church are people who, who, whose lives have fallen apart. I'm close to many of you because we've talked and walked through those journeys together when the incompleteness of your life came or when the tragedies came or, or through the choices you've made which were the wrong choices came and we've walked through those together. You are the people who aren't trying to pretend that you're somebody you're not.
because you know the truth about yourself and you know that God showers you with love and compassion and that through that forgiveness, great things have come. So this unfailing truth today is resist the judging. Let God be God. Let us be followers and lovers of Jesus Christ.